Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. All right, thank you. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. I hope you are having a nice time so far. I gained a lot from the, the discussions. Um, I was going to say my name is Femi, but you already said that. Uh, why should I be speaking? I'm married. I've been married for uh, 11 years, but I can tell you, um, I was single more than I've been married. So I do have a little bit of some experience in what it means to be single. Um, you know, if I ask any of you, do you enjoy living in Lagos? Uh, I know, I know. All you Canadian applicants, I know. I know. But that's the word. You would probably say something like, you say, I know, wow, Lagos, now die. But immediately, if, hey, what? you're going to be there. I'll meet you guys there. You know that kind of thing. You enjoy it, but you also hate it. It's what? It's complicated. Life in Lagos is very complicated. Very complicated. You know, do you know the, I was checking the stats recently. They said that the average age for motherhood in Nigeria, do you know what it is? And this assumes you are married though. The average age for motherhood is about 20. It's about 20. Now, when we put out an ad on Instagram about this thing, three out of four people that responded were 25 to 34. As I look across, that's somewhere where you guys are at. So if the country is 20, you should be a mother or a father. And 25 to 34 people, three out of four people here were saying, um, I'm not yet a mother. That's the reason why we're doing single in Lagos, not single in Nigeria. Right? Living in Lagos is a little bit more complicated than just, you know, um, I'm not trying to disparage other parts of Nigeria, but being in an urban center like this, where what you call the woman's place or the man's place. It's, it's a little bit more complicated. And so singleness is something that is a huge thing. Um, many of us, the truth is, we would rather not be single. We're dealing with how what it means to be um, uh, fulfilled as a single, but would rather not be single. And, you know, the reasons why we are single are a bit complicated, right? For some of us, it's that we've not found the right person. For other of us, is that we're not sure we're with the right person. But particularly for this event, here's another one. Many of us think we're with the right person. We're not sure if the person thinks they are right with us. <laughs> it's complicated, right? Now, a lot of our church, a lot of our church people, a lot of them are single. I speak to as many as I can. And one of the things I found out is that whether you want to admit it or not, whether you sat here or not and you are giving the right answers, Many of you are in complicated relationships. You just are. Far too often, uh, you're not even sure how you got there. That's the thing. You're not sure how you got there. You didn't even know you were in one until somebody asked you, are you single? And then you said, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know what? It's, it's, it's complicated. And immediately you said that you realized you don't like being in one. You see, because whether you are the initiator of a complicated relationship or you consider yourself the victim of it, despite some of the gains that you are getting from it, 
Complicated relationships end you in a complicated life. And you already know you don't want a complicated life. So, we want to help you with that. All right? That's why we called. We want to see if we can help. We want to show today that you don't need to be in a complicated relationship or how you can get out of one or how you can make your relationship less complicated. And to do that, I want to answer three questions, right? What's the complication? How things got complicated? How do I get out of the complication, right? We want to answer those three questions. What's the complication? How things got complicated? How do I get out of the complication? And the way we'll do this, we'll get some help from what I consider is the most complicated relationship ever in human history. The most complicated relationship, I'll read it, I'll read it from, it's from the Bible, right? The most complicated relationship in human history, all right? But before we get into that, it's still a church, even though it doesn't look like when I was considering the, what people were saying here. Um, let, let's ask God to be with us. Let's ask God to be with us. Father, we thank you for everyone that is here. We thank you for the presence of your spirit. We thank you for the, um, the ability to be real, the ability to be authentic, the ability to be open. But at the same time, especially for those of us who are Christians, we know that our authenticity isn't just expressing how we feel. Our authenticity is submitting to what you say is real about us. So, Lord, we ask, oh God, for that spirit of authenticity. We ask for the spirit of correction. We ask for an empowerment. We ask for an impact to be made in the lives of people here in the name of Jesus. We ask, Lord, that where there is complication that is leading to a complicated life, we pray that today you bring an end to it in the name of Jesus. We pray that you renew people's lives. We pray that you strengthen them. And we pray that they will be all the more better for it because they came. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I do also want to acknowledge those who are online. We can see it's very vigorous there. Please keep on chatting. Um, even though it seems like you're having a different meeting there. You know, some of the questions are, are, are funny. All right. So, I want to read um, a very complicated relationship to you. It's taken from the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Listen, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, was her, Joseph her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quickly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, the, to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you have to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she was until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're in a town called Bethlehem in a region of Judah over 2,000 years ago. What we saw in the text, Joseph was pledged to, or Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, quick one. When she was pledged to be married to him, they ain't married yet. But in those days, if you are pledged to be married to someone, it's as good as you are married. In that, it would have meant that most likely 
the guy has already paid some part of the bride price, right? Um, he would also, if they were to end, if they said they weren't doing it again, actually, if you notice, he said he didn't want to divorce. He wanted to divorce her. So actually, even though they had not yet gotten married, you could divorce the person. So they were actually pledging something that was really strong. Um, but what they didn't do until they were officially married was to have sex. They didn't consummate the marriage, as it was said in verse 25. So he was sort of pledged to marry. They weren't quite married. They were in a relationship. Now, as the custom was, Joseph would have thought he was getting a virgin. Because if she, after being pledged to him, if she slept with someone, in fact, according to law in Deuteronomy, I think 20 or 23, in those times, she should have been stoned to death. So it wasn't really good to do that, right? Now, in this time, I had relaxed the law a little bit, what would have happened is that she would have been subjected to public disgrace. It says Joseph did not want to subject her to public disgrace. So one particular day, they had a date. They had a date. Mary had said, hey, Joseph, ah, come pick me up. Let's go out. I'll pay. All right? <laughs> Fage, gotcha. All right, I'll pay. And she was like, hey, ah, he's wondering why. Why would she want to pay? I just, I just wanted to talk. Just wanted to talk. Can we not just talk? Talk about serious things. All right, so they get there. Nice restaurant. Everything is vibing. The music is good. And all of that. Then she now tells... Um, them to lower the music. As things are going to get better. Now, said Joseph, I have something to tell you. And my wife always says, Why don't you just say the thing? Why do you have to say, I have something to tell you? They're like, But don't panic. Oh. Ah. <laughs> that's, that's, now you're now panicking. Said, so I have something to tell you. Um, I don't know how to explain it. And I'll be like, I, I'm pregnant. So Joseph now stops and now says, does kissing get people pregnant because I know we, we didn't, but we, you know, we, until so he realizes, wait a minute, have you been unfaithful to me? You were meant to be a virgin. And then she says, eh, I'm still a virgin. <laughs> so Joseph is like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, well, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm a virgin. And he's like, what do you mean? But how come, who's the daddy? And he's like, it's not, a human daddy. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say it's complicated. <laughs> ain't nothing, there ain't nothing more complicated than this one. And you see, the ground of this already tells you a little bit when we think about some of the relationships we are in. Let me tell you about Joy. Right? Joy, I, mean, I recently met Joy for the first time a couple of weeks ago. She had hung out with us, you know, stayed with us for some time for a couple of, uh, due to a number of reasons. So one day, my wife, myself, her, we're in the sitting room, we're talking, talking, and then she gets a phone call. Now, when she picks up the phone, you, know, you don't tell me I don't do this business. You know? When she picked up the phone, there was a way she picked up the phone. There was a way she smiled. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, when she was smiling, and I could hear what she was saying. She wasn't, it wasn't, the person was obviously not making any jokes. We are home. Yes. So she finished, she got off the call. To which I said, who was that? You know what she said? A friend. 
I said, a friend. Lori, you know? <laughs> On top like, a friend. So, I think she thought that, that, I heard this guy is a pastor. I heard this guy, but maybe he was born not too long from yesterday. I'm like, a friend. Let's see who is lying to who. So I decided to do some cross-examination. Just cross little ones, right? It was a bit in the evening. So I asked her, I said, was that the first time you guys spoke on phone today? She said, no. Have you guys chatted on WhatsApp today apart from the phone call? She said, yes. When you were leaving, to, because she came from somewhere else, not Lagos. When you were leaving to come to Lagos, when you were leaving, did you let him know? She said, yes. When you got to Lagos, <laughs> did you let him know? She said, yes. When you got to my house, after, because you have to, you know, she, Lagos is dangerous. Do you understand? So the fact that she's in Lagos doesn't mean that she has now gone, you, you understand how it is. So, so when you got to my house in Lagos, did you let him know? She said, yes. And to which I said, and he's just a friend of me. <laughs> She said, well, yes, but it's complicated. <laughs> and I asked, okay, so you're not, I said, if since you are, if you are just friends, if you are just friends, if he called you one day and said, Joy, man, because you know they're friends, man, if you know this girl I just met, she is it. This girl, like when we talk, everything, we're vibing. She just, she gets me. I get her. I cannot wait to marry her. I said, Joy, will you be joyful? <laughs> you expect so much joy. She said, well, she said, but we've discussed. We've discussed already. And we know that nothing can happen to us, within, between us. To which I said, I'm with me. Sorry. Oh, let me give you flashing news, breaking news. Something is already happening between you guys. You just don't know what to call it. The reason is because it lacks clarity. And when it lacks clarity, it lacks certainty. And when it lacks certainty, it lacks security. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not today I started pastoring. What's wrong with you? Uh, you are doing the same thing that she did. But at the heart of complicated relationships is that. No certainty, no clarity, no certainty, and therefore what? No security. A lot of you will say, you've been heartbroken before, despite never being sexually involved with the, the person. So you're saying, ah, no, no, okay, well, but you're not talking to me because all we just do is talk. All we did was talk and chat all day. Nothing more than that. That's all I do with this person. I said, okay, that's baseline. Let's even not go into other things. Just baseline. It's all about talk. We call this the talking stage. Huh. Nothing, Abby. Touch your neighbor and say, talk ain't cheap. No, it's not cheap. This talking stage thing. Let's, let's examine it. Let me, let, me, let me help you with this. What does a marriage, a healthy marriage consist of mainly? Wait now, let me, uh, well, no, because I have some of that. What does a healthy mind consist of? Any? Having sex? Having sex? Let me be honest with you. How many, how many times a week can you do it? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 
So I prayed the other time because somebody was attributing me to be part of the disciples. But should I pray now so that for anybody that lies here, yeah, there's no lying. We're not going to. You don't have to lie when you say you don't know. Where nobody's judging you. All right. Believe me, I know what you people are doing. But you think we're having sex is how many times? Even the most active people that are married and all of that in this Lagos, three times a week. And whether you take all the or more loo herbs and all those, it is still a number of minutes. In a, I'm telling you, the people that do three, three times a week, one combined, is super hot power, one hour. So it's not, I'm just, I'm just, can I be real with you? It's, it's not. So it's not just, that's not the main thing. Attend movies. That's just weekend stuff. How many movies can you watch? Family devotions. Uh, we are meant to say that to the pastor. But, you know, even that one, you do like 20 minutes a day. You miss like three days a week. You know, again. How about living together? Well, most people do, right? The ones that, the guy's not in Canada and she's here. Most people do. But even with that, they spend more time at work than they are in the house. Ah, you know, this one is the, one, the best one. They stare in, at each other's eyes, into each other's eyes. That's, that never happened in my own marriage. Never. My wife, what, 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 what's wrong with you? Are you okay? Let me tell you what it is. Marriage mainly is about talk. Talk, lots of talk, 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 talk. By that, I mean communication. I know a good marriage when any small thing that happens, the guy is sending his wife a text. I know a good marriage if I have told you something and it's as good as you have told your husband. Why? Because they're always talking. Before you think that, is, that is, seems flimsy, let me tell you why that is somewhat profound. What is marriage according to the Bible about? You go to Genesis 1 and 2. At the end of it, it says, So shall a man... Leave his father and mother, and they shall the two shall uh, he shall cleave to the wife, and the two shall be what united one. So marriage is about union. But for you to deepen your union, do you know what you need? Knowledge about each other. It's when you know each other more and more, you are able to say, "Oh, these things make us laugh. These things, uh, uh, this is the thing this person doesn't want to do, uh, doesn't like. This is the kind of food they like. This is the kind of present." The more you know each other, the more you're able to respond, right? And the more you're able to respond the way the person likes, and the more you're able to be united. But how does the knowledge come? Communication. I open up myself to you so that you know more about me, and you open up yourself to me so I know more about you. The more we know each other, the more we unite in our relationship. That's why a lot of people sometimes, you go to marriages and you know when there's a problem, is when they're not what? It's called silent treatment. What, when you are not talking to each other, you know what you're saying? I'm not going to allow you in. And when you say I'm not going to allow you in, that means we're not going to be united. It's one of the worst things that can happen. That is why talk, guys, isn't what? Cheap. For those of you who feel heartbroken by someone you used to, uh, you say you just used to talk to regularly, that is now dating someone, let me break it down for you and explain, if I can be very candid. The reason why you're heartbroken is you were in a relationship, you just didn't know it. You know, we talk about emotional relationships. A lot of people are into that. And you be like, you just be, I don't even know. You see the baby, just be like, I don't even know the girl is so fake. <laughs> you have never spoken to her before. You have no, why are you agonizing? 
because something has been taken away from you. You see, the lack of clarity meant that you didn't have any certainty about where you guys were, and hence, no security for your heart. And that's why it's broken. The problem is that you are giving your heart away just in talking, talking, talking. And so it's really complicated. So with some of us are then saying, how did I get myself, so how did I get myself into this mess? And remember, that was talking is just the baseline. I'm not talking about the other things they are doing. We'll get into that one. But how did I get myself into this mess? Or some you even say, how did I get myself into this mess again? <laughs> well, let me tell you, a complicated relationship is like a good meal. Actually, it's like a bad meal. It's like a bad meal because it just requires two ingredients. Actually, no, that's not true. Because like Gary now, Gary is just two ingredients, right? It's water and, and Gary, and it's really nice. Let's stop that. Let's stop it. Let's behave ourselves. What? You want to put milk inside? Milk. Okay, okay. This is a friendly place. This is a friendly place. If you believe you can take Gary and milk, and you believe that you want to make heaven, raise up your hand. <laughs> okay, okay. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the air too, because it gets, it gets worse. Milk and Gary, what's wrong with you? See, when it comes to making Gary, it's not complicated. Okay, let's remove Gary. Abba, Eba. Eba is just what? And we all know, you know, we all know that Eba, nothing compares to Eba. Nothing. Nothing. Amen? Glory in the house. Yes. This is wonderful. So, it's a complicated relationship. It just has two ingredients. And the two ingredients are two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. If you have them, you get a complicated relationship. Who are they? Let's go back to Mary and Joseph. Let's go to the second one. So how did he get this complicated? You know, in verse 20, it says that after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. You see, Joseph was fearful of making a further commitment based on all the things that he knew. That's why the angel says, do not be what? Afraid. Now, even though he doesn't say this explicitly, I can tell you just based on understanding what the Israelite community was like at that time, Mary would have been desperate to keep this relationship. Because don't forget, it says that Joseph did not want to expose her to public disgrace. If he came out that she was pregnant, and Joseph, and they find out that Joseph had, what, divorced her. You know what that meant for, for Mary? It's not like today that people can have uh, two children out of wedlock and still get married. And even today, that's still very hard. In that time, because there was no financial independence for a woman, in that time, marriage was basically, marriage was, for a woman, was basically a career path. If she had a child out of wedlock, she would almost certainly not have any marriage, any marriage proposal again. And if she had no marriage proposal again, her economic future was basically doomed. Do you understand? So for Mary, she would have been desperate to keep that relationship. Joseph was fearful for making a commitment. Mary was desperate to keep it. The two kinds of people you need are the fearful and the desperate for a complicated relationship. It is fear and desperation that usually makes us enter and remain in complicated relationships. The reason why we don't make full commitment 
in a relationship or we decide to remain in one when there is no full commitment. So let's take the two of them, fear. Increasingly, one of the things I've noticed, and this is not, I'm not making a sort of youth generation, that generation, this is just factual. The younger the generation, the more risk averse they are. That's what I've just noticed. The younger generation, the more risk averse in general. You see, people find it hard to begin a, big, a business, to sign up. You see, this generation, uh, not this generation, okay, the younger generation. Most people, for instance, you don't like committing, you don't like paying for apps. You see an app, what are you looking for? The crack version. You see software, what are you looking for? Do you have the CD? Do you, you don't want to pay money for anything. You don't, eh, what? Uh, there's no point, you see, you see, there's no point. She knows she can't say that. I know. I know how much I'll tie this. I, have to, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. But people are becoming too risk averse. Confirm your attendance. Hey, I'm not sure. Should I, should I not? When the whole thing is now coming to an end. I want to come. It's too late. Sorry. We are risk averse. And you know why? We are always so scared of an undesirable outcome. We are scared of an undesirable outcome. You know, some people come and meet me and they say they have a business idea. Maybe someone in church, they, want to have a, they have a business idea. So I say, okay, good. Well, this sounds nice. Go and set up a business plan. That's the first thing at least. Have a business plan. You have a vision. You should have a plan. And then they go. You call them. You see them in church. They are avoiding, avoiding. I say, what about that business plan? I didn't do it. Why? I started, but I wasn't sure. Why? He said, what if it doesn't work out? Which I say, what if it does? You see, the person has looked in the future and said, there's the possibility that it won't work out. And on account of that, I don't want to take the risk. We are risk averse. What people that are risk averse want is, they want a cast iron guarantee that the process will work out even before it has begun. That's why many people don't want to give full commitment in relationships. You see, there's nothing worse than somebody who is in a relationship and everything is going fine. It's okay. We checked everything. Godly, the person, we like each other. All of that is going on. And you guys are like, no, everything is fine. A couple of weeks into it, the person starts acting. Acting up. And you're like, why? What, what, what happened? Did you say anything? No. Did anybody die? No. Did you lose your job? No. So why are you acting up? What if this thing doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work out? Oh, but we won't know. But how do you, you see, the person starts saying, all of a sudden you saw that she uses spoon to eat rice. <laughs> and it's like, what does that have to do with anything? It's like maybe she's greedy. <laughs> because she so she doesn't like you know if you take fork to eat right you allow some things to fall down what does that mean maybe you are generous generous you know there's a biblical thing it's called gleaning right they said don't when you are going through the fields don't pick the ones that are falling up it's like is she really biblical is she really maybe she's hiding something you start looking for stuff because if all you have is the present but you don't know what's going to happen in the future and so you start saying what if is there a way I can get a cast iron guarantee that she will be who she is meant to be or he is going to be who they are right now? That's what I'm saying. So you're telling me, even though he's fantastic, he's fantastic. So if I marry this person now, that's it too. 
auditor, like I can't look at somebody else. This was a big problem for me when I was about to get just saying, right? I like man, that's it. That that is it. All those kind of charts, all those okay, okay. I know some of you are still chatting. We'll get to that. But all those like I can't look around again. I can't shop. I can't go to a conference and say, ah, this, you know, ah, maybe this one, ah, she has. You know, you have criteria, eight criteria. Like, this one scored six out of eight. This one has seven. What if there's somebody that's going to have seven? So, because they want a guarantee of the future in the present, they don't make the commitment leap. Now, the problem with this is what the Bible says about fear, living out of fear. It says fear torments. Fear is what? A torment. Because it always brings about anxiety about what is going to happen in the future that hasn't yet happened. And let me tell you something. Fear is an unrealistic, it is a deeply dehumanizing way to live your life. You know, COVID just went away, right? Well, it's not, well, you're still all wearing masks, God bless you. But, you know, when we were having COVID, there were two big problems. There was COVID itself, right? There was the, the, the health pandemic, and then there was the information pandemic. How many of you are getting regular WhatsApp updates from, I won't say your parents, but I'll say people of your parents' generation? <laughs> right? What was that? What was that? You started getting news from here and you're like, really, I don't want to live my life in this way out of fear because fear is not a way to live. Now, it's not, don't live your life out of facts. Facts are important. But many times, the fear is not actually based on what? So when the Bible says, fear is a torment, but you know what it says? It says, but perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Because the way we are meant to live, we are meant to be lovers. You see, we are created in God's image, but that God in whose image we are created, from the very beginning, said that God is what? Love. Now, for God to be love, that means that you ask the question, who was God, if God is fundamental, who was God loving from the beginning of, of time? Because love is always, you love someone else. That's why Christians, we believe that even though God is one, God is multiple persons. The Father has always loved the Son. The Son has always loved the Father. You understand? And the way the Father expresses the love to the Son is through the Spirit. So when God, who had always been loved throughout all eternity, was going to create, remember in the beginning it says, the Spirit hovered over the face of what? The deep. In other words, God created out of love. And notice something. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then things started to produce. In other words, what we see from the very beginning and the person of God is that love is an expanding force that always produces. Love is an expanding force that always produces. If you don't like the work that you are in, you will not produce as much. When you love a particular business, many people are saying, hey, I'm making money, but I... I'm not passionate about it. When you love something, right? Even when there are obstacles, what happens? You produce. Do you understand? The antithesis, actually, to love is self-love, which is protection. The people that are unable to commit are usually trying to protect themselves from something that's happening. And I understand why you want to protect yourself. I'll say a little bit about that. But here is what I want to tell you. You cannot live life by self-protection. We are meant to live life out of love and then you should put protection there as a guard. But you are not meant to live life out of self-protection and then you try to love here and there. You will not produce. Are you following me? And so, why we are called to be lovers is, you see, people that produce, 
Uh, people that are protecting stuff is like in a business. You have managers and you have the visionaries. You have the ones that produce. The problem is that we are never created to live human, humanity as managers. We are created to be what? Lovers. And there is no way you are going to love without taking risk. When God created this world, he took a risk that these people may, not, may obey me or they may not obey me. And guess what they did? But when God was going to save this world, what did he do? He said, some people, I'm going to send my son, they'll kill him, but some people may believe and some people may not believe. But what am I going to do? I'm going to do it anyway. I will not think about those who will not believe. I will think about those who will what? If you keep thinking, can I talk to someone who maybe you are so fearful of making that commitment? Let me tell you what's at stake. You may protect yourself quite all right, but at the end of the day, it is going to be detrimental to your overall happiness. Why? Because you will not be acting in line with the way you are created. We are not created to be managers. We are created to be lovers. And so if you keep trying to find out what is going to happen in the future, you don't want to take that step. What's going to happen is you will ruin this particular relationship, even though nothing serious has happened there. You will now go and start another relationship. You go on with that one for six months. You start sniffing again for something that wasn't there. You move on again. You move on again. And at that point, I'm not saying that you can't be single at 53, but I can say that you can be single at 53 and it's totally your fault. Because you never wanted to take any risk. I understand some of you will say it's because of past hurt. Maybe you had family issues, in your family there were commitment issues. Maybe you had, uh, you had a relationship with somebody and your expectations were dashed. Maybe you gave all to someone and they didn't treat you right. I understand. But please don't allow yourself to be defined by a bad past. Stop allowing someone from your past to continue to live rent free in your future and your present. You are made for more. It's time for you to live. Amen? But then we have the desperate. You know, there's one of these philosophical questions. Even children start to learn it. And the question goes like this. It's one of these conundrums. They say, why do bad things happen to us? I have a second one. You know what that second one is? Why are stupid decisions made by very smart people? Because really, it's not because of their mind. They are very smart. So it's not an issue to do with their mind. It's an issue to do with the heart. And I'll tell you the reason is because they are very desperate. So many people, I don't know whether you are, it's maybe one of you. Many of us are in wrong relationships. You know it's a wrong relationship and you don't know why you are there and you can't get out. But we are desperate. Why? We are desperate because we feel time is running out. We are desperate because we feel, if I lose this one, will I get another person? We are desperate because we feel like, oh, I'm 29, I'm almost 30, 30 is coming. Some of us are desperate because we've seen, you know, Auntie Stella. Auntie Stella that only has nieces and nephews. I don't want to be Aunt Stella at 45, not mine. So we are desperate. And so because of our desperation, we end up taking bad decisions. But can I tell you, bad decisions... Bad decisions don't solve your problem. They only make it worse. They may make you feel like at least I am addressing it. The mere fact that you're addressing something doesn't mean that you're addressing it the right way. You can be creating a bigger problem for yourself. If you want a test, here's one test. You see that relationship that you're in, that situation that you're in. If your younger sister came and said, told you she was in a relationship exactly like your own, will you approve? 
Or you say, do as I say, not as I. You know, whereas the fearful people aren't willing to take any risk, the desperate people are willing to take every risk. Is that you? Please consider yourself, because there are three big problems. I'm speaking to Christians. There are three big problems that come out when you try to do stuff out of desperation. First one is, and this is very serious, it makes you devalue yourself. Because you start to think, no one can really value me for the values and the decisions, the principles and the positions that are formed based on God's word. I've tried it, but I noticed that no one is really interested in me. So in order for you to now be partable to them, what do you have to do? You have to change. You have to adjust. You have to get cheaper. That's why you accept every kind of disrespect and micro and passive and active aggression. They would just be buzzing you all about and you too, you would be like, maybe, maybe I should take it. You had a conversation where there was a little bit of clarity. Then all of a sudden, the person then says something like, I can't remember, it never happened. And you'll be looking, you'll be like, boy, see, let me not, if I bring it up, it will then cause problems and he or she will get angry. So it's better for me, I know my place, it's better to be quiet. What is wrong with you? Or you guys, you decided, mm, okay, the way this thing is going, I don't like as it is, you're not being clear with me. Two months later, I calls you up or she calls you up and they're asking you for another date, but they quickly tell you, don't question where this thing is going. Can we not just enjoy the moment? They say, ah. They say, nah. Don't forget all the things that were writing in the ads. They were coming from people that were here. You see, what happens is that your confidence becomes so low that it is rooted in being in any kind of relationship with that person, even if it is undefined. Let me tell you something very carefully. If you are in a relationship with someone or a situation with someone that causes you to devalue yourself, get out as quick as you can. You know why? If that relationship continues, that person will never add any value to you. The hint is there. For me to be with this person, I have to devalue myself. In other words, the person is already showing what your future is look, looking like. I will continue to devalue and devalue and devalue you. Get out. Don't devalue yourself. The second thing is, it makes you compromise. If I have to be frank, many of you have already compromised yourself sexually because maybe you don't want to lose this person. You see, language is a, is a funny thing. Obina. Yeah, yeah, yes. Can you speak Igbo? Fluently. Can you record you? Huh? Now somebody can play with you again, you know. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I, I was, it's, it's, been, it's, a, it's a bit rusty. It's a bit rusty. Language is a very funny thing. We understand, like, Obina and I were trying to communicate. <laughs> right? We can switch between ethnic languages here and there. But also, there is romantic language, right? When you just tell somebody, somebody that you, somebody that, you know, somebody just come, just say, just send you a text. You're looking fantastic today. One person will say, you're looking fantastic today, and you'll be like, idiot. I've told you not to be sending me. What's all this? Where did all this familiarity start? Where did you come from? 
Another person will say, you are looking fantastic today. And I'll be like, no, but wait, because this is the text you sent yesterday. Do you mean today? Can you repeat it again? You know, and I, I, you have seen the text, so you are going somewhere. You now go back to look at your phone like, what did that person say? Is it, you look fantastic or fantastic you look? You understand? So the language, as you see, from the person that is coming, you know, it makes a huge difference. But you know, language is not only based on what we speak. There's something called body language too. There's a guy called Akeli. The guy's in jail now. He gave us hints. He said, I hear your body is calling me. And many times that body wasn't calling the person, wasn't calling Akeli. And he was acting on it. That's why he's in jail today. But sometimes the truth is, after human beings are communicating, God is a talking God. Notice what God says. We understand that the Bible is God's word, isn't it? The Bible is God's word, but it's God's word made text. But in Hebrews chapter 1, it says that God, who at sundry times and diverse manners, spoke to our fathers through the prophets, as in this last day, spoken not to us by his son, but spoken to us in his son. That's why he says, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was dwelt among us and became flesh. In other words, God is saying, I want to talk to you about my love. Here's a person. When Jesus went to show us the love of God, he showed it to us in his body. My body is broken for you. You know why? Our bodies talk. And after a while, as you start to know somebody a little bit more and more, what starts happening? You suddenly like, ah, you guys used to sit across each other. And like, ah, that's, uh, why are you standing, you know, now you guys now sit near each other. But, uh, but there's space. You don't, you don't allow that, you know. And so, but all of a sudden, ah, this place is a little bit too, the other, let, let's just get a bit tighter. Right? So the body now starts, like, come in, ah, ah, it's warm. Oh. <laughs> it's warm thing. And then the hugs. Oh, the hug. You can, you can know people by hugging. How, how do people feel about themselves? You know? If I see Taiwo now, I just go to Taiwo. We just do, you know, the Christian. Yeah. Mm. You know that? Mm, you understand. But if you, if you are having an issue with Lola, you're like, Lola, how are you doing? <laughs> come, come. And then you do that one. That's another thing. But if I see Ella and I, Ella, how are you? <laughs> come here, give me a hug. And then you now come. And then. Hmm. You yeah, rub. Oh my God! This is this. This feels like home. You are communicating. And many times, what is happening as we are more and more into this situationship, we get we ignore that it's not just our words that are talking. Our bodies start to talk, and our bodies are asking to be. United. The longer you are in a complicated relationship, what happens is a union is forming without an explicit union, a stated union. A union is forming and your body is trying to say, I want this thing to go further and further. But you know what happens? We start to tell ourselves, I'm strong. You know? In church, they played, you are stronger, you are stronger. Sin is, but it's not you, it's God they were saying. This is the problem of worship music. Sometimes you think they're talking about you. You are not that strong. 
You don't confess it for yourself. So we tell ourselves we are stronger. We lay ourselves into the situation. And then after a while, say, show me in the Bible where it says kissing is right. It's wrong. Show me. You show me. If you can't show me. And say it wasn't, it was just peck. It's like on my wedding day. When, you know, they said, I don't know, you know, it was a conservative place. And so I think we are told one of the ministers that it would be good, we would like to kiss each other, you know, just like, and even there was pressure there. So when they had done the joining, then people were like, ah, they would take kiss, we they kiss, blah, blah. And well, I looked at it. So the man says, the man says, okay, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so they have said that they would like to kiss each other. So what I would say is that you just have a quick peck. <laughs> just quick peck. So my wife and I had to just uh, all right, good, 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 wonderful. So he says, it's just we only pecked each other. We pecked each other here. And then somehow her cheeks were slippery. So I now landed in this. So you now start bending it on that one. And then you now say, the Bible says sex. Sex, that's it. And we didn't have penetrative sex. Then we just bust boosting you. Like that. Playing you like tennis boy. You now be like, it only happened twice. <laughs> but And you see, those two things, they lead to a third thing, which is this. And the third thing is the core thing, is the thing that supports those two things. It expresses unbelief in God. You see, the reason why you reinterpret int God's commandments and the reason why you devalue yourself is simply this. You ultimately don't think that God got you. You just don't think. You can come, you can do all the worship you want and everything, but you don't feel like God has got you. You see, you start to take matters into your own hand. You start to trust another human being that has never given you anything close to what God has given you. But because you want this particular thing so bad, what eventually happens is that you say, God, can you get off your perch as God? I need to install another God. It's called marriage. And so because now all of a sudden your desperation is moving you towards if I can just get this thing, I know I'll be happy. All of a sudden God becomes less and less relevant to you and you start to reinterpret his commandments and you start to devalue yourself. Can I say this very, very as pastorally as I can, even though I'm not most of you's pastor, you don't have to fall for this. I know we're in hard situations. I know, in fact, in many ways at the age that we are, many of us are at, it's hard. It's hard at night. It's hard when all your friends are already having children. I understand that. But please don't remove God from the center of this. Because if you start getting into complicated relationships, it may give you some immediate relief, but the consequences in the long term are worse. And so I want to talk about how we can, finally, how we can um, uncomplicate the complications. Or how we can get ourselves out from it. The best thing you need to do is confuse the confuser. God bless you. God bless you. Before he says bae, say darling. <laughs> when I saw it, I said gangster. This guy, gangster. That will preach. 
No, actually, it's not that kind of C. I want to give you seven Cs. That is not confusion, right? Seven Cs, not confusion. Now, let's start. The first thing is we need courage. Courage. What is courage? Courage is not simply um, all the... All the Goliaths in my life, I will face, I will face, just forget all that nonsense, right? Courage, as someone C.S. Lewis says, is, courage is not like, it's not one of the other virtues, like kindness, like humility, uh, like generosity. No, that's not what courage is. It's not like one of the other virtues. Courage is the form of every virtue at the point of testing. It is the form that every virtue takes at the point of testing. So, are you kind when you are most provoked to anger? Are you humble when somebody just dismisses you as though you are someone, nobody? Are you generous when it requires sacrifice? If your answer is yes at all those points, you display courage through humility. You display courage through kindness. You display courage through generosity. You cannot say you have been courageous if there is no testing. Are you understanding me? And so what I'm going to do, this courage is the foundational piece in all the other C's that I will say, I'll be asking you to demonstrate courage because all of you, many of you are at the point of testing. And the point is, can you demonstrate the courage so that you can see yourself to become a better person for those who are fearful or you can be in a better situation for those who are desperate. So if courage is the first one, the second one is we need conviction. By conviction, I don't mean that, I don't mean when you believe in something. I mean, you know, the first step to any deliverance is knowing and accepting we are on the wrong path or that we are the wrong, we have made the wrong choice. And for many of us, you know what's always sad in forums like this? is when you are talking and you'll be like, I wish this person were here. I wish this person were here. Is the skillful ability for you to be spoken to and yet not applying it to yourself. Like, eh, but that's not really me. So at this point, you're like, yeah, I know he was talking about how some people use some people, but you don't understand. I really like her. It's just, I'm just having some issues. It's like, at this point, where many of you are in complicated relationships, you're like, man, this is just reminding me about this person's situation and that person's situation. <laughs> It's one of the most difficult things. I've said it often in our church. I said, when I was in university and I was living the way I used to live in life, the most difficult time for me, most difficult period, and I always tried everything to do to avoid it, is when I went to bed and closed my eyes and I didn't fall asleep immediately. You know why? Because at that point, it was just me, God, and every other thing that I had done in that day. And I couldn't stand being in front of God and admitting that I was that wrong person. So I would make sure I was so tired so that by the time I get to bed, I will fall asleep, I wake up the next morning, and I continue to do what I was doing. And sometimes, you see, that's the thing. Many times, the, Psalm 36 says that, about the wicked, it says that they, are, they flatter themselves so much to hate or detect their sin. Do you think that I'm speaking to you today? Not speaking to your friend. Not speaking to the person that put you in that situation. Not speaking to that person of your past five years ago. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Telling you that you have 
put somebody in a situation that they shouldn't have been or telling you that even though you have been with this person for three years, this is not a right relationship. I pray that the Lord will stop any hindrance right now because there are some voices that are speaking to you. I want you to stop listening to that voice that is trying to dismiss this, that is trying to say, oh, this guy just for a particular generation doesn't understand or all of this is just theory. Stop listening to that voice. And listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that is speaking now. Because the voice of God always wants your good. The other voice that doesn't want you to be uncomfortable does not want your good. But will you show the courage to accept the conviction? Because it's only when you do that you set yourself up to actually walk in a better situation or to being a better person. Be convicted of your fears or your desperation. Because I tell you this, God wants to deliver. 30. And this particularly to those who are fearful. We need compassion. You know, Joseph was, if you've never read this story, you know, much isn't said about Joseph. But when you look at the little that he said about him, he was an amazing guy. He was a stellar man. He says in verse 19, he says, even though he found out to be pregnant, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he knew, he knew this is what should have been done to her. But at the same time, he says, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he was going to be faithful to the law. He was going to divorce her. But he was going to divorce her what? Quietly. Even though he knew she was wrong, or he thought she was wrong, what did he do? He showed compassion on her. For those of us who are fearful, you see, the thing is this. You say, oh, this has happened to me. This has happened to me. Can I ask you not to think about yourself or think about the other person? It reminds me of Chris. Chris, I, um, I spoke to a number of months. Chris is a, uh, if I, if I, if any of you met Chris, you know, if he, if you, if uh, maybe was in your, your neighborhood or whatever, your class, your classroom, what have you, or your, your place of work. You love Chris. Chris was everybody's guy. Chris was such a nice guy. So kind, so generous. If Chris came to your house and he played with your kids, right? You, your kids were, I don't want Uncle Chris to go. I don't want to. As he's coming, the first time he's visiting your house, he has asked about the kids you have. How old are they? He, he brought presents for your children. Age-appropriate presents. And then when Chris sees people, you know, that are, are, are in trouble, even if he doesn't have the means, he'll talk to some other people that have the means. Such a nice guy. And also, whenever he saw damsels in distress, wow. oh, you're a super nice guy. So he used to just give them particular attention. Focus, focus attention, because he didn't want to you know, the guy said, the thing goes, ta, 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 ta. No, it's not, that's not very good. That doesn't help you. Chris goes like this. He gives attention. And so he was giving attention to different ladies in, 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 in a place. Right? They were themselves in what? Distress. Occasionally, they weren't getting phone calls at night. And you know, for you know, for a lady in this Lagos, that's the worst thing that can happen to you, right? Isn't it? That's what you tell me. So he was, 
He would chat, he would chat, they would chat, he was there, always there, you know, when his birthdays, even if nobody shows up, he would be the one to show up at their place, he would bring presents, do all of those things. Only for like maybe a few weeks later or something, one lady would just come and just say, Pastor Femi, Chris is a bastard. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just telling you what they tell me. I'm like, no, it's not like that, but he is. <laughs> I said, what happened? He said, I, I was wondering now, with all this focus, whatever and everything, and I asked him what's up. He said, I ah, know he was just trying to be a friend. <laughs> so after, after a few themselves had been put in more distress, <laughs> I, called, I called Chris. I said, guy, you have to stop it. I said, let me tell you, I'm not, I'm not trying to judge you, you see. There was a time I was in a church and two ladies, I wasn't even there. They said I proposed to them. They said it. They said it. I, 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 can't, I, I can't say that. But I, I never proposed to them. Eh, I never did. But they said I did. I remember at that point, I just said, I told because I was leading, I was leading youth church. and I said, I said, I am not hugging any woman again. Because maybe it was from hug, hug that they now realize. So I tell you, I'm not judging you. But let me tell you, this thing that you are doing, is not good. He says, but I don't mean it wrongly. And I said, it is not your intention that matters. It is the result that matters. I said, love does not think about yourself. You see, if he did not care, if he didn't go with what I said, if he kept on saying, well, it's not my fault that they're interpreting it wrongly. Is it bad for me to be a good person? I'll see that he is not loving. Because as long as he focuses on what his own intentions, the source of the issue, and he's not focusing on the impact at the receptor. He tells me that he doesn't love that person, he loves himself. You know, there's a way you can help people and hurt them at the same time. Thankfully, Chris, he fixed up. But I want to ask some of you here would say, oh, it's not, I didn't mean any harm, I didn't, I get, I understand. But consider from where they are coming from. Remember what I said about talking. Don't inflict the pain that has been caused on you on someone else. And even if you say, I didn't mean it. Okay, now you know. Are you going to show the courage to demonstrate loving compassion to the other person? We need compassion. Amen? Amen. Fourth, we need clarity. You know, Joseph, you can't blame Joseph. Your babe says she's pregnant, but she's a virgin. Right? Like, let's be honest now. As in... It'd be like, if you want to lie, lie. But don't lie on top of God. Like, you understand? Like, uh, give me a lie that does, that, at least, that, uh, you know, in your lies, at least honor me. Don't, let, let, don't, don't, don't lie and then insult me at the same time. Like, it's a double whammy. Like, cook up the lie in such a way that says, man, I respect you. As in, I went through all of these things. You understand? You can lie and honor someone. So Joseph is now, He's not even confused. He's confused. Look at what he's saying that I didn't have sex with anyone and I'm pregnant. I beg you. So in verse 20, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Why? Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel came to give him clarity regarding the situation. Can I say this to you? I want to free some of you. Eh? Are you ready to be free? Yeah. Are you ready to be free? 
It is not desperate to seek clarity about your situation. It's not. It's not. It's not. To say how far. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not what I'm saying. I am not saying when anyone in, of the opposite sex says hi to you in church, you say, excuse me, please state your intentions. No, no, no. That's not, I'm not, I'm not, it hasn't reached that level. You understand? We say what brothers and sisters. See the way he, he was looking at me. I, come, 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 my brother. You are looking at me. Do you want to get married? No. No. You hasn't read there. I'm saying that once you cross over, however, into exclusive, frequent conversation, you better start asking for clarity. You better start asking for clarity. Once they start giving you nickname, ah, wait, wait, the nickname. Bay uh, or Bays. So you, say, you see what he was doing. He was trying to say, I say, I call everyone Bay. Do you understand? So it's not, um, it's, but you are Bay or Bays. Ah, don't do that. Don't bring film trick into this one. No. <laughs> somebody said uh, on this, they said that you don't have a problem uh, when we said about your best friend can be opposite. Uh, say, okay, oh, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You see, we live life, our lives in phases. When you are in between 18 to 24, this is in general, 18 to 24, you see, before that 13 to 17, is the stage of puberty, everything is jumping, you know, you're just trying to enjoy life and you're still in your parents' home, so no responsibility. 18 to 24, all that puberty, all those cells, they now start going down. So now you're now confused. It's the time of questioning. You're questioning everything. Questioning this, questioning your faith, questioning that, question. So 18 to 24 is the time of questions. You are that where you just date, you, three months, you have jumped, done that one, another one, you're just going up and about. 25 to 29, is the stage where questions are being answered. You see, most people, what they believe at the age of 29 is almost certainly what they will believe for the rest of their lives. Now, remember I said that most of the people that responded here were from 25 to 34. Can I say that you are no longer in an experimental stage? It's just the truth. You are no longer in university. You are working most of your time. Most of your time, you are at work. You don't have time to be dating like 15 people and still trying to figure You don't have the time. Most of you already have all your best friends that are opposite, uh, opposite, of the opposite sex. You have enough of that already. You don't need more now. It's just the truth. Because you are in a stage where the way your body is speaking is speaking differently. The way you catch signals is you are catching it differently. Somebody says, okay, I can, I can, I, I, I talk to um, my best friend, even, I'm a lady, I talk to my best friend with a guy, I even talk to him more than I speak to his wife. There is no problem with that. The only problem is when you speak to him more than his wife speaks to him. Eh? If you do that one, call her now. She will have a problem most times if it's the, of, if it's the same sex. But when is you? Because talk isn't cheap. Stop deceiving yourself. Yeah, 28 year old that is now texting, texting at 9pm, 9 9.30. What, what are you texting my husband for? And you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you marry, when you marry, do it. I don't, don't tell, look, see, <laughs> no guy can text my wife after 9 p.m. For what? Yeah, you can't text, you can you can ask message, you send me around. Yeah, that's the one. They want to. You'll be texting my wife and they're just chatting, chatting, chatting. I'm not saying maybe there was one time they did it for one hour and she's letting me know. You can't do it the next day and do it the next day and do it the next day. Why? Yeah, my wife are not in experimental stage again. The only <laughs> 
They may, see, we have to be frank. Human beings are different from animals. We are all one part of one humanity. But God created us also differently. There is a reason why it is, I, I don't want to be legalistic here, but I'm trying to be realistic. As you start to grow older, you start to realize that the way you used to have body-body conversations, body-body groupings, when you were 18 together, you can't do that when you are 32 together. This is why a lot of people end up, and I'll get into that, but this whole friends with benefits. You know, some things, I, I try to keep myself abreast of the situation, but when I'm told some of it, it's really hard. But when I, you know, some people in church will tell me that, oh, you see those group of five friends, three guys, two girls, all of them are slept with each other. I'm like, and they're friends? I, I can't understand that. But I can also understand. Because in many ways, the way you are trying to create a certain kind of relationship at a certain time, it can't also work. And so what I'm saying is you need clarity. Again, I'm not saying you can't have friends of the opposite sex. I clarified it very well. I am saying when you get to a point when this particular person, there is an exclusive kind of relationship that means that you guys are frequently discussing with yourselves in a way that you are discussing with no other person over a period of time. If you don't ask clarity, if you just say, no, we're just being friends, you are lying to yourself. And I've seen this happen over and over again. I've asked people, I say, are you sure? I've asked, are you sure? Are you sure? No, 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 we're okay, we're okay, okay. They come back two months after they're crying. And I'm trying to tell you, it is you, your mental state that is lying to yourself. Your body isn't lying to you. So seek clarity to protect yourself. Don't do it in a way that just you know, means like people can't have conversation with you again. But at the same time, be wise. Be wise. Use your time well. All right. I'm sure there'll be enough questions on that one in Q&A. But seek, demonstrate the courage to seek clarity. We have to quickly rush through the last three. The, the, uh, number five, we need carefulness. What do I mean? Notice in verse 25, 25 and 25, says, And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I've struggled with something, but I, I realize the only reason I've struggled with it is because, <laughs> it's because I don't want to upset people. But let me tell you. You see, it says, until... Everything had been uncomplicated before he consummated the marriage. As the generations have gone by, it's not in my generation and generation before, all of, before mine as well, we all had the sex problem, especially in the church. We define sex so badly, not from a biblical perspective. The way I inherited the talk about sex, you almost have to be scared of sex. Like because somebody, you, A, you get pregnant, B, you get AIDS. That was it. My time was, you know, AIDS was the big thing. Okay. Not many people are having AIDS again. You say pregnant. What are you talking about? We have so many options to deal with it. There is condom. There is postinor 2. There's not looking. You know what postinor 2 is. There is, 
there, yeah, right? There is, there is abortion. There's like, so what are you talking about? So this lie that, you know, sex is that thing that you mustn't go near, it's, it's been shown to be a lie. When they're done properly, let's be, let's be honest, sex is sweet. It's sweet, it's nice, it's wonderful. You know why? God gave it. It's a wonderful thing. Sexual pleasure is one of the highest forms of pleasure you would ever get. I see a lot of people that then saw all these lies that you tried to create. They now said, so this thing is nice like this. And you people who are trying to stop me from it, I see what, this is why religion is a form of control. The reason, and rightly so, that they rejected that is because that's not what the Bible teaches. Have you read Songs of Solomon before? We had married in Lagos uh, two years ago. I preached Songs of Solomon. Some people went to put their ears hand inside their ears and say, it's Bible, just Bible. And stop doing all this Christ and the church. That's not what is really going on there. It's full-blown sexual pleasure. But it says, do not, do not awake love before it's time. You know why? He's saying that thing that is pleasurable. Don't just treat it as when you go out for dinner and you have very good food. Food for the stomach. Sex for the body. He says that thing which is very pleasurable is actually very sacred. Both those people who told lies in the religious setting about sex, that sex was not pleasurable, they and the people that just say sex is something that we should all have access to, it should be common. Both of them are telling you a lie. And they're telling you the lie that sex is not sacred. Sex is special. Sex is sacred. And that is why you have to guard it very, very carefully. You see, many of us, what we don't understand is that when you are having sex, you are making, it's, you are speaking to the person. You remember we talked about marriage, about union, and then union requiring what? Knowledge, isn't it? Right? And that's how you deepen it. In the King James Bible, you say Adam did what? Knew his wife. They weren't trying to be too holy. He was trying to say, this is the most intimate form of knowledge about the person. It is expressing with the body, but at the same time, there is a deepening that is happening. That's why it said that you go to a sleep with a prostitute, you become one. Why do you think? Most times, do you know how I catch people that cannot get out of a relationship? I just like... Why, why aren't you pulling the trigger? The guy is this, he's wicked, she's this. Yeah, why? I said, when last did you sleep with each other? It's because you are just, it's so obvious. You know why? You've already started forming a union. And so what this thing is pushing you to do is to say, give me this thing so I will now find out. Listen, if there is a guy that you are saying, or there's a lady that you are saying, if I don't give them this sex, I may lose them. If you say, if you are saying that... <laughs> Please let them go. Do you understand? Let them what? Go. You say, if I, if, I, if I lose them, then I may lose a married partner. No, you have just dodged a bullet. You see, because the Bible is saying the sex is so sacred. And can I say, not just sex, sexual activity. What is sexual activity? Ground zero, kissing. Argue, stone at me, at me. I don't care. <laughs> it's true now. Because all of these things is like, you are trying, we are trying to play. No. As people know that, we say, when you are kissing somebody, last time you are kissing, not the holy kiss. Oh. Last time you are kissing, do you, do you put your hand in your pocket? And if you put your hand in your pocket for like 10 seconds, before you know your hand is doing like this. It's try, what is he trying to do? 
He's trying to hold the person. When you're holding the person, what are you doing? You are uniting. What's kissing? The mouth coming together. When you hold the person, you are uniting. By the time you land, land in the bed and you trip and you fall and you are inside each other, what are you doing? <laughs> Sleep, trip, unite. And I say, hey, baby, ah. <laughs> On top one time, uh, you didn't know. The point is that all of this sexual, all of those things, that's how we know it's sexual activity. You are putting, you are, you are, that's what you say, it's okay. Okay, why can't you kiss in church? Why is it that, why is it that when you say marriage counseling, you say, ah, why is it that the people in church, your pastor or your whatever, you say, okay, because, you know, we need to be sure, if this is a godly relationship, we want it to flourish. So we say, are you guys going out, are you going out together? Are you spending time with each other? Yes. Are you, do you always constantly chat? Yes. Do your parents know about it? Yes. Do you pray together? Yes. Do you kiss as well? No. Ah! Why? You need to kiss. It's really important. <laughs> Who says that? When we're trying to dodge and say all of this kind of thing, kiss is not. Because when you start the sexual activity, listen to me, you are forming a union. And when there is no place of clarity, when, before you get into sexual activity, that's why the Bible says, I want the utmost clarity before the Federal Republic of Nigeria. Because he's saying sex is so sacred, sexual activity is so sacred, you know what it should cost that person? It shouldn't cost the person a nice dinner. It shouldn't cost the person a nice mood. You know, put some, I don't know, some Lutavangels in my candle, candle light, all of that. Can you imagine? Candle light and rose. That's all that is taking you. He said for that person, that person to get this, the person has to say you and nobody else. That's, that's the price of sex. But when you start to give sexual activity, again, I'm not just saying penetrative sex, all the others. When you start doing that, and then the person now comes and now says, I just realized we're not that compatible. You say, Ogun. You are not what? You know you don't say it. You don't say Ogun, but you know what you say because you can't say God, you are too Christian to, so you want to bring Shango and Ogun inside it. Why? Why if you want, there is no such thing as just sex. Don't ever fall for that. There is no such thing as we are just kissing. What are we going to do? Now I understand. I understand it's hard. I understand that someone once told me, said, okay, pastor, I understand all that you are saying. Okay, I'm not going to deceive myself again, but I'm 32. What will I do? I understand. And the last thing will come to that. But I'm saying, don't take your desperation to not lose this person, to now chip in yourself, to now give away something that will that would appease the person at that point, but ultimately will start to disintegrate your heart over a period of time. We have to be careful. Don't just go to somebody's house that you just say, we are just very good friends. At 11 p.m., nobody is there. What are you doing there? We want to Netflix. Why? Why can't you watch Netflix in your own home? Let the person watch, and then you guys can be exchanging chats about what is going on. <laughs> Don't. I'm serious, because so you just say, ah, Netflix. Then all of a sudden, Nepal took light. It was hot. The devil had been doing the checkmate from beginning. And you two, you are entering. Be careful to set correct boundaries. Because you are at a greater propensity to be hurt. Be careful to set those boundaries. Be suspicious about yourself. Which brings me to the uh, penultimate one. We need community. We need community. You see, the biggest reason many are in complicated relationships is because they decided to enter it in isolation. That's the thing. You, most of it, later you now come in and say, ah, I want to tell you about this person I've been, you understand, this person I've been talking to. You've already entered three weeks after. 
So you see, many times, and I want to recommend, we had a friendship series earlier this year, three-part series, you should listen to it. But many times we have friends, but there are different levels of friends. And many times we have friends at the point where we and those friends just unite over good things. We don't have friends that will be there for us in difficult times. And the deepest level of friendship is the friend that can look you in the face and tell you what you are doing is wrong. Many of us, once we have that kind of friend and they do that for the first time, we let go of them because we want to continue what we are doing. We know it's wrong, but we know at the same time we can't stop. Now, what community gives you, and I'm talking particularly about the healthy church community, it gives you both contemporaries and counselors. Contemporaries, yes, you can say, I'm not listening to this one, but counselors, people who are older, people who have gone ahead, people who you respect, that can tell you this thing, where you are going is wrong. One of the best things I love in our church, sometimes when somebody comes to meet me and they come and they come and say, Pastor, I, I messed up. It's hard when the person is about to say it. It's really hard. There are some people that have disappointed me so much in that. But I'm so comforted with the fact that they knew that they were in danger. And they knew that if they kept it to themselves, they would repeat it over and over again. And so they come. They know that they may get rebuked, but they also know they will never get condemnation. Don't be scared. Plug yourself into a healthy community. Get people who are older than you. Once you, somebody is talking, there are people that we've saved. That have already said, we say, just ask this question. They ask the person vamoosed. So you see. Ask this question. But sometimes the community is there to also give you, they'll give you advice when you present this situation. Maybe you're a bit confused. But also, when you are lonely and you desire companionship, I'm not saying the friendships that you get in community are substitute for your desire for a romantic relationship. But what I'm saying is that at least they help to fill in the gaps in some of those places. One more thing that the community will do. There was somebody recently <clears throat> that said, <clears throat> there was this, a guy that was trying to uh, get close, saying stuff, said all the nice things, all the nice things. You know what she told him? She said, ah, that's wonderful. It's, well, we don't know where this is going and everything. Then I said, okay, so but you know everything that you tell me, I tell my pastor and his wife. Next time the guy called, and I said, I'm not sure we're very compatible. <laughs> you know why? Because as long as he had her isolated, he could do all those complicated things without being certain. The moment she said, I'm not alone, no. The guy all of a sudden felt accountable. You see, another thing community is good for. Test the person. Do you, it's not just you being in church. Does that person, does she want to be in church? Is she accountable to anybody? Is he accountable to anybody? So that if they mess up, you can go and meet someone. If they are not, then you should question that. We need community. The Bible says, in the multitude of counselors, there's what? Safety. So those are six, but finally, finally, I want to take you back to the last thing. While there are parallels between what could be your situation and Joseph and Mary's situation, there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. You know why? Their complication is vastly different from ours in this respect. Mary was pregnant, and truly she remained a virgin because her pregnancy was by the Holy Spirit. Her son was God in human form. He says, when he was giving birth to it, he said, it's going to be called Emmanuel because he's what? God with us. And it was the presence 
the presence of this son, who they called Jesus, the presence of this son was the one that made the difference. It was because of the presence of Jesus, that which was complicated in Mary and Joseph's situation, all of a sudden became viable. Let me tell you, if you want from ground zero to uncomplicate your complicated relationship, you know what you need? You need Jesus at the presence. Jesus' presence in the center. He says he will be called Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. If you are someone here who has been a fearful person and you know you have hurt people and now you are under the conviction of that sin, can I tell you, do not have to go into condemnation. You know why? If you have Jesus, he is able to save you from your sins. If you are the kind of person who is, um, who is desperate and you know you have done things that you didn't want to do, if only you would acknowledge those sins, the whole complication is not just a complication with the person, is that you have entered into a complicated relationship with God. But if you confess your sins, you will have an advocate with Father. His name is Jesus. He will save you from your sins. He gives us forgiveness. But he also gives us a new identity and freedom. You see, for some of you who keep defining yourself by your past, if anyone is in Jesus Christ, he is a new creation. You don't have to define yourself by that past. You can define yourself by Jesus' past, in that he went to the cross for you. And because Jesus is defining your past, it's Jesus that will define your future. You see, where you lack clarity, you lack certainty, and you lack security with Jesus, He's very clear in the relationship he wants to have with you. He's clear in that relationship so that you can be certain on where you stand with him. With Jesus Christ, you can have assurance. It's not, does he want me? Does he not want me? If you confess your sins, he is certain to forgive you. He is certain to bring you that relationship. And why is he doing all of that? Because even though you want a cast guarantee, iron guarantee with somebody and that the person is looking in the future is not sure, with Jesus, you can never question where you stand. You can never question what he thinks about you in two years' time. He has already told you what will happen in all eternity. Do you understand why we need Jesus? And when you have this Jesus now, you can be free to show the courage to stop that complicated relationship. Where, I, where am I going to get the energy from? Are you going to give me another husband? I'll give you one better. I'll give you Jesus. Are you going to give me another wife? I'll go a full step better. I'll give you Jesus. With Jesus, you can say, I have a better, uncomplicated relationship by this, than this complicated one, so I can stop. And with Jesus, you can then pursue an uncomplicated relationship. Last thing. Jesus gives you the strength to wait and to commit. No, this one is the hardest one. A 36-year-old and still saying you should wait. Most of your friends already have children that are 13. And so you are just willing to, you just want to, I, I, I'll just take my bet. You see, we are not complete by marriage, we are complete in Christ. And honestly, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is here to give you the strength to wait. How long do you have to wait? All I know is this, he gives you enough strength for you to continue to wait for the right one. But he also gives you the strength to commit. For those of you who keep thinking, maybe this person has one comma, maybe that person has that comma. No, actually, Jesus is, Jesus' love is what casts out the fear. He gives you the strength to commit to a healthy relationship even when you don't have all the answers. Jesus ultimately 
is the one we need. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.